Hey everyone, welcome back to the Not Only Farmers podcast. Today is episode number eight. This week's episode is with Ainsley Moyer. Ainsley is a packaged food and beverage expert who helps people start, audit, and grow their value-added products into thriving brands. Whether that's direct to consumer or direct to wholesaler, Ainsley has seen it all and can help brands out. I worked with Ainsley when I first started our hot sauce brand, and she helped me organize my thoughts around creating a roadmap for finding success. This time, I reach out to Ainsley for a brainstorming session around packaged goods and how that might apply to an agricultural enterprise looking to diversify their income streams. As I put together new episodes of the podcast, I keep creating with the question, what resources can I offer to help folks in agriculture be more successful? I think this world of value-added products is often a big unknown for many folks. I hope this brainstorming session acts as a catalyst for others to take a deeper dive into whether a packaged good or other similar product can help their ag-based enterprise become more successful. Ainsley and I hop around topics today, talking about the current state of value-added products, online versus brick-and-mortar sales, the need for smaller curated distributors, brand design and growth, as well as some examples of people already dipping their toes into this world. As always, please message me with any ideas for future episodes, as well as how we might expand on episodes like this one today. Let me know what you think and enjoy today's episode. Now, here's my conversation with Ainsley. So I thought I would give some context first as to why I even reached out to you about talking in the world of CPG and and farming and how we bring those two things together. And so really, I've been brainstorming lately as I started the podcast, thinking about how I can provide value to the agricultural community at large and people that are in the supporting roles of, of agriculture. And one of the roadblocks that I guess I got to was a lot of people now are having a harder and harder time keeping their, all of their marketplaces open and all of their, their vendors going. And so there's always this thought in the back of my head as far as like, how do we diversify income stream? And how do we, you know, what are the, what are the options that we have? We can always grow different crops, but that doesn't always work. We can always raise different animals, but that doesn't always work. So what are some other options that we can do? And one of them, obviously, that I've always thought about is getting into the world of consumer packaged goods or value-added goods. And so that's why you popped into my head. I was like, oh yeah, we can make a connection here. And I th- thought that that was really interesting because you and I have known each other for a while because I reached out to you when I was trying to get my hot sauce brand off the ground, which was really cool because uh, I thought it was just like, oh, this is easy. We'll just do this. And so it was really cool reaching out to you and being able to organize my thoughts around it. And that was that was super helpful. So now as I was like, oh, I should look Ainsley up and see what she's up to. I see that you make mention of kind of connecting with farmers. And that's something of interest to you. So I was like, oh, perfect timing. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Yeah. I'm really happy that you reached out. I was just saying earlier how when we worked together a while ago, it was like, I remember you talking about wanting to do this podcast because you're just so connected into the community as a whole. And you always have this passion for helping the entire community. Um, So it's so 
it's so great to like have this like come full, full circle and like to be here chatting with you about this on your show. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm just curious where you are right now as far as what what have you been thinking about in the world of connecting farmers with can you know the the world of I guess packaged goods is that the best way to to term the yeah. whole industry? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's say packaged goods. I like what you said earlier too with like value added um items mm-hmm. um either or. I mean, I think right right now we are seeing so a couple pieces from the consumer side. I think a lot of people are really actually wanting to get more closely connected in to the food system. Where is my food coming from? I want to support local. I feel a lot better about, you know, buying whether it be a hot sauce or another value-add product from someone in my own community or a neighboring community. People feel a lot better about that these days than buying a product that they don't know where it's coming from, the integrity behind it. Are these ingredients and everything actually good for me? Um, I think consumers are asking a lot more questions right now and rightfully so. Right. Uh, I think, I think the food system, it parts of it have had a bad reputation and I think people want to learn more and they want to support more locally. And then from a, from the flip side of it, from farmers wanting to get their products out there, I mean, it is, or wanting to create a more like value add type product. You know, I think you and I also experienced this too, where it was like, it's like this whole other outlet that becomes a lot different than just selling like the physical product itself necessarily. It also, you get to have a lot more fun with it and you get to bring something to life that can add to your revenue stream absolutely does it, it does it require some different avenues some different learning for sure uh but i think it is a piece that can provide also some of that consistent income throughout the year if we can you know build a brand that's going to connect with people whether that be getting on grocery store shelves which is a natural you know first step for a lot of people, what they think of, or getting into restaurants, whatever that may be. Um, or whether you're selling online as well, you get to actually build, build something that can have not as cyclical and, um, and yeah, just could kind of have this more creative outlet in some ways that represents what you're doing on the back end, but you're just able to have it come to life more at the forefront, which I think something is something, I don't know. There's a lot of passion. There's a lot of purpose behind every farm out there. There's reasons, there's values behind it all. And and a brand helps actually bring that to life and let you, lets you really like showcase that with a consumable good. Yeah. And that's something that's really shifted a lot in the last 10 or 15 years, honestly, um, because everything used to come out of like, or at least I think most consumers thought everything just came out of a factory. And even though those packaged goods sourced from a farm originally, you know, I mean, everything has to come from a farm. There was this disconnect, you know, between coming directly from the farm. And so I think that's something that I'm, I'm really intrigued with now is like, 
how that can really shift the mindset of the consumer and have let them really have this direct connection. So they go to a grocery store and see a farm's item on the shelf. And they're like, oh, that's that same farm that I pick up their stuff at the farmer's market, you know, throughout the week or, or whatever. Are you, are you working with a, a lot of farmers right now? Or are you trying to tap into that world or what has that been like? So I work with a few right now. I work with um, like an organic regenerative farm out in Ontario. You know, I'm Canadian. I might drop some A's mm -hmm. during this conversation. You'll hear my <laughs> Canadian accent, I'm sure, at some point. <laughs> um, but uh, Garlic Farmer, Regenerative Farm up in Ontario. But it's something that I'm wanting to, I want to work more with farmers, actually, because I want to help that food system. I want to build that connection more because I just, I don't know, even me personally, I've just seen I think people are losing trust with big food brands and rightfully so. I know I'm a consumer who would much rather support local and the people behind it. I know farmers a lot of time selling and correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, selling to, you know, larger companies to then have them then reprocess the food. It's like, farmers oftentimes really, really get squeezed. And like, that's the heart of our entire food system. And the farmers are the ones breaking their backs and not really getting the rewards as much as, as I think rightfully they should. And so for me, I'm really passionate about how do we connect from a consumer perspective, connect more people into the people, to the connect more people, the consumers in with the people behind their products and, and then with the farmers being able to help them make that connection. Cause it does seem hard sometimes. It's like, it can feel like a whole new world, like bringing a consumable product to the market. You know, you, the farmer that I work with out of um, Ontario, like she's at shows all the time. And for her, she's like, I can only plant so much right now to get my orders going. And the struggles are, are very different than, than someone who is, who is not having to go through all of those. And I don't think that's always accounted for and people aren't necessarily as connected into it. But I mean, once people know that she's actually the farmer behind it, like they get so excited. Like, hold on, you do this? You're planting all of this? And like, tell me about the whole process. And it's really cool. I've, you know, had the opportunity to see her at a couple of shows and just see the interaction between the consumer and the producer, like the actual producer, it actually, I think just like not only helps sell the product, but it helps sell connecting people in with food a lot more. And I think, yeah. I think we really need that. Yeah. And then the biggest challenge that I see in this realm is like you, like with her, for instance, going to shows or whatever you're talking like, are you talking like trade shows or just food shows or, or yeah, like trade shows, some smaller mm -hmm. conferences, but a lot of like trade shows and consumer facing shows mostly. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing that I always find in that is as a, as a small, like a, a smaller farmer, which we know that the term small could mean, you know, a quarter acre up to 500 acres, you know, there's a wide gamut of what that small means. But what I've seen a lot of 
folks do is they'll have this great idea and then they'll go to a show and then they get overwhelmed because you have this industry that's there and you're like, oh no, I need to plant a thousand acres of whatever it is so I can scale my product effectively. And then I think a lot of people get scared off um, by that whole world because you just get overwhelmed so quickly. And so that's always the challenge that I'm trying to think about is like, how do you ease people in to that whole industry and say, no, you don't have to be sending out truckloads in the very beginning. Um, do, do you feel like there's there's an avenue for people just starting out to, so they don't get overwhelmed like that? Yeah, I think I think committing to staying local is a great way around that, right? Like mm -hmm. you can stay local and not have to send out truckloads of it. You can, I mean, one of the things that she does, which is really great even, is she lets people know, like she needs to plant the garlic. And then she, you know, she does the whole process with black garlic behind it. But it's like, you need to, you need to, she's been doing this for a number of years now, but it's like, you need to have your orders in by this time period. I, I can't plant anymore. That's it. And it naturally creates this level of scarcity with people. Oh, mm. I know her quality is really good. I support that type of farming. I want to like get my order in. I mean, she's not doing it from a like marketing tactic. It's just like purely like I do not have more farmland and I'm not interested in acquiring more for this. I am happy with maximizing what I do have and it's, it's local, right? And she's also chosen specifically to not go into large grocery so that she can support smaller independent stores and sell a lot at consumer shows also allows her to connect in with people. Like she's a teaching farm. Um, it's a teaching farm. It's a regenerative farm. And so that's also like, she's naturally wants to share that with people, the process, educate people about it, get people asking questions, let them know about it. People love it. And that's, you know, that's part of the piece for her. But um, yeah, you can absolutely commit to being local and still have a lucrative business 100%. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And then does she even, I would assume with the scale that she's operating on, she probably doesn't even need to sell online at all. She can just sell direct to her, her customers in her, in her locale, her local yeah. area, right? Yeah. She does some, some online sales, but um, but not a lot, you know, it, it is, it is for her. It is still that like one-on-one -on -one piece and in the local, local locations for it, which, which is great. Um, would online sales help? Sure. Uh, absolutely. But I mean, I know that that can be such, that can feel also like such a hurdle and like the logistical pieces and picking and packing like one little like package sometimes feels like do I really want to be doing this? And that is a real thing that I think a lot of people like come up against. Um, and it just, it also feels like, it feels like a very different world to be going from like some people will go straight from farm stand to wanting to have a consumable. And that can seem like a really big uh, jump sometimes having everything online, everything digital like that. But I mean, you definitely don't need to do that. There's a lot of very successful brands that don't sell online as much as the hype that we see all the time with like all these great brands only selling online. Like there's a lot of brands that still don't do that. And if people do decide to go into that realm of online, I think that it is really the most daunting realm 
even right now in 2023, just because it doesn't seem like they're all the avenues of organic reach are really there anymore. And so I think people feel really pressured into, you know, hiring SEO experts and people that are super duper beyond their means experts, you know, from the get go, as opposed to just kind of easing into it. And I, so I think those are some of the biggest challenges. and this is coming not just from my own experience, but from other friends that I, and, and people acquaintances around the country that are, thinking about doing these kind of things. Like those are the challenges I see that they, they face where they're just like, it used to be so they, they say, I don't know if it actually is, but they say, Oh, it used to be so easy. And now it's become really hard. And I'm like, well, it's just a different time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is like a very different time. And like, yeah, the, those organic reaches, like you used to be able to reach people, you know, connect with them a few different times online and you could get a sale. Now it's like, I think the average number of touch points that it takes the average person to like see your brand before they buy from you online is like 17 times. Like that's a lot, right? It's a lot versus if you are, you know, in a location, let's say, let's say you're in, you know, some specialty stores, you all of a sudden have this like trust halo of that store that's applied to you, which then doesn't require those 17 touch points and then let alone if you're selling live at events like they are seeing you and they're connecting with you which I think uh in the world of AI that we are now in it is going to become even more important um but yeah you can definitely you can definitely get around some of those pieces by um by having some of these other go-to-market methods than just purely like online. Online feels like, oh, it's it's the easiest piece. You just put it up and everyone's going to like find you and you're going to like rock it and sell so much. But like we're competing yeah. with the whole internet. So that's a little hard. Yeah. Well, I, I have this kind of, I have this kind of vision that possibly we're going to see like small, the whole small town concept actually really start coming back around again. Um, even though, because I feel like we were, there was more small town mentality across like, let's just take America, for instance. I know there's, we've got a big world here, but like America, for instance, you know, it's small town mentality. And then as the internet came up, it was like, oh, we're globally connected and we're selling to everybody globally. And now I almost feel like we're circling back around to where when people talk about niching down or whatever, I've think another term for niching down is just small community. Um, and so I'm kind of seeing that starting to happen now. And I, I think that you use the internet as the tool in certain cases, but I still think that there's a lot more opportunity to just have these um, smaller, more intimate connections with people, kind of like what you're saying as far as some of these specialty shops. And I, I keep hearing, it seems like a lot more of those are popping up. I think they've been around for a long time, but it seems like there's a lot more specialty food shops um, that are regionally based starting to pop up. Are you seeing that a lot yourself? Yeah, I'm seeing that kind of all over. And I think, I think part of it is because I think how people are shopping is, is changing. Like I can, we can all go to the big grocery stores and we can get all the things, but I think people are like missing some of that novelty and 
something curate, people still want that personal touch, right? You want to go into a store where you see everything in there and it feels like, oh, this is all the type of stuff that I would buy. Like, I think we're actually going to see more stores really curated for like the type of person in there, which makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways because I mean, most people don't shop the majority of stores and in or the majority of aisles in the grocery store. It's a lot for the consumer. It's a lot of wasted, um, wasted time and energy. And I think they want to go into these smaller places. They want to have that connection with the other person on the other side. Consumers want to support brands that connect with them and their community and I think it's really interesting to see how that's starting to like turn around. I don't know about you, but I really felt like I saw a lot more of those pop up even coming out of, you know, 2020. Um, they were definitely like around, but then I saw like a lot more pop up post 2020 and, and I see, uh, I see them still, still doing well in a lot of cases. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think one of the biggest growing sectors of that is, uh, farm based, um, like, farm stands that are now turning into these little mini grocery stores. I'm seeing there's people all up and down the West coast, um, that created those, those, um, markets or stores or whatever out of the necessity of the whole COVID time. And when they were doing that, we all know, like as a diversified vegetable grower, you know, that what you're trying to do is you're trying to get as much of the consumers, um, purchasing happening at one store. Cause you know, that consumers generally don't like driving around to like seven or eight different places. Um, sometimes there's a novelty of doing that, but regularly not. And so <laughs> I saw a lot of farmers that were saying, Hey, we have all these offerings and we also collated dairy from the dairy up the road and cheese from the cheese makers and even wine. And now, and a lot of these stores are still existing and it's working for people. Um, and now there's starting to, they're starting to fill out these stores with packaged goods, but the packaged goods are generally coming from the large distributors now. And so it's really interesting. Like in my Valley alone, there's two or three different farm stores around that you see these giant delivery trucks and you know that they're not pulling pallets and pallets off, but they're just on the route now. And I'm like, wow, right. that is a huge opportunity for somebody to come in and say, Hey, I offer this whole lineup of these curated, you know, these curated brands that would fit your farm stand perfectly. I, I think that's just like a opportunity just waiting to happen. Totally. I would love to see that right. With like, uh, just like all these brands that are, I don't know, not the big, like part of going the, the novelty of going to some of these locations is that you're getting something different than what you would get in large grocery, right? That you, I don't want to get the same things that I'm going to get from a distributor anywhere. I want to get something novel and different. And I think, I think sometimes it is like the dollars and cents that leads to some of those decisions. But I mean, I think the only, not the only way, but when you know me, I'm always like really big on brand. So mm -hmm. one of the biggest ways for those types of locations to, stand out and compete is to stay true to what truly makes them different and why people are going to want to come to them, which is curated like specialty 
you know, local, whatever that may be. Like, I think I'm with you. I think there's a huge opportunity for small scale distributor to, you know, deliver a whole bunch of local handcrafted products that people actually, you know, want to connect with versus, you know, the producers needing to drop them off everywhere. Like why not, why not have a distributor, small scale distributor go and do that? I think, I think there's a big opportunity. I think the one of the big pieces that always comes down to those like dollars and cents, right? It's like right. with specialty, we do need to charge more. Some people are happy to pay that. Um, some people aren't, but right. I mean, really staying true to like who is coming into your location. And I think whether the dollar and cents, and I always use the example of, um, of my mother, like she's a single woman lives on her own blue collar worker. She doesn't make an exorbitant amount of money, but she will pay premium prices day in day out for high quality products because she just deeply like to her core is like, well, this is really good for me. And I want to support this local farmer. And I'm like, you're spending how much on this? Like what? (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, yeah, no, it's like great. The farmer's right over here. And like, they're really great. I buy from them every week and they've got a great story and it's really good. And like, I can fully trust it. And I think remembering that when people actually know the value behind your brand, people of all walks of life will, will support that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's my mind is just reeling with the opportunities, you know, it just really seems like, like somebody could really jump in there and, and really help everybody out because it is kind of the same thing. Like you, you go to, cause I, anytime I'm anywhere traveling or whatever, and I see a farm store, I always go in and it, it is always kind of like a, Oh, kind of moment when you walk in there and you see the same beef jerky that you saw at the, you know, at the grocery store, on the West coast and I'm in the Midwest or something, you know, and it's like, well, I thought this was like a, I thought this was like a independent, you know, store. And I don't blame the, I don't blame the people running the store. They're just trying to have products in their store. But I'm like, man, there's this opportunity to just have really curated items to your area. You know, I, I always think about a really good analogy is like, uh, traveling through New Mexico and everywhere in New Mexico, you know, there's green chili on everything. You know, it's like something that identifies, like you even go to a McDonald's, I think, not that I've been to one of those in a while, but you go to McDonald's in, in New Mexico and they have green chili as an option. And I was like, oh, what if you use that idea, but just to each region, you know, like there's gotta be something special in, in each region of the, of the country. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. That makes a lot of sense. And like, you have me thinking now, it's like, is it that there aren't enough products is, is that the piece or that it's just not the distribution piece isn't set up, right? Like, is it the chicken or the egg? Maybe there's actually not enough brands that are, mm. that are thinking that they can go that route. Yeah. I wonder, you know, so there's like the, uh, I, I'm assuming that like the thrive network is still just raging. I, I would assume mm-hmm. that they are. And they, yeah. they focus on a lot of like smaller curated brands. I would wonder if you would go into one of those and just see how many, I mean, that's how a person would do it is they would just tap into that network and say, start going down the list and asking those consumers saying, Hey, are you selling everything you want to through this network? You know, 
how about branching out into in real life markets as well, you know? Right. Yeah. I guess that would be yeah. the way to hunt them down and see if they're, cause I think that they're, I mean, well, think about, there was a post that you did recently on hot sauce actually, where I, you were like scanning around a grocery store and seeing how many hot sauce brands there were. Totally. There's no, there's no lack of hot sauce brands. That's for sure. No. And like, yeah, there's a full section of the store. And I think they were all like, they were all well over $10. Like they're all premium hot sauces. Um, and like, they're all, they all have like multiple rows. That section is always full. So, I mean, people are willing to pay for, for when they see the quality there. Right. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and we've just given someone a really great idea. I hope someone I, goes and executes. I them. hope so. I well, I think <laughs> that there's a huge opportunity here for somebody, you know, and and that's the thing with packaged goods that I always lean towards because the perishability factor is so much less than the world of fresh produce. You know, it's like I've actually had people over the years when I was still growing vegetables that would be like oh, why don't you just ship your vegetables across the country to, you know, like my dad in the Midwest will be like, hey, if I got some people around here uh, interested, would you ship us boxes of produce? And I always would be like, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, no. <laughs> I'm not because then I'm, you know, no matter, it's going to cost an arm and a leg to keep them fresh. And that's kind of defeating the the purpose. But in the world of packaged goods, man, then you just have this, it, it, the availability of, of shelf life is, it's just so much more. So there's something to that. Yeah. There's definitely a big opportunity there. I'm seeing, and I'm not sure if you're seeing this, I'm seeing a lot more online, like kind of like the Thrive Market, a lot more local online, um, distributors, if you will, for local products and, I think that's really cool. And I think people are really getting, well, actually, I don't know. I don't know how well they're actually doing. I like the concept behind it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think people want to support local. I'm not sure how, how they are doing, but I'm certainly seeing a lot of them pop up. And I mean, I'm just thinking if so many are popping up, there's, there's probably a demand and they must be doing well to manage that because it is kind of like, you know, one of the reasons why people go to Amazon is can get everything all in one delivery, right? That's a yep. lot easier than buying this from this company, this, from this company, this, from this company. Um, when you can do that with your, your groceries, but from, you know, trusted sources, that's something that is appealing for people as well. Yeah, I think it's what kind of what you're saying too is it's like a um it's it's just a platform where people can go because they already are kind of Amazonified as far as how their shopping habits are now, where they're just instead of going to Amazon, they're going to a a online marketplace that then they either have delivery comes directly to their house or they are going somewhere to pick it up already ready to go for them. That's kind of what yeah. you're getting at, right? Yeah. 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 I think, I think those from those kind of operations from what I, from people that I've talked to about it, um, I think it really depends on population base. I think that's mm -hmm. the biggest 
determiner whether it's going to be successful or not. Um, and sometimes also it, it just happens to sometimes, sometimes there's no rhyme or reason why certain areas work and other areas don't. Um, my guess is it's probably software based too. Like what, mm. what the actual user experience is really like. Um, yeah. because if you, if, if you see an organization that's just using really outdated software, that's very clunky. Um, I know myself, I, I mean, I feel bad sometimes, but if I'm online and a website's just clunky, I just go away. Right. Um, so those are probably the two biggest limiting factors to success in in that realm. Which, yeah, makes sense. I think people are, uh, they expect a certain experience now, which also comes back to our conversation around like setting up all of your own website and sent, like selling your products and everything through there. It, it really does need to be like a really great experience for the shopper, especially if they're not going to just go to Amazon or go to one of these other sites. Like it's a great opportunity to make that whole experience really, really strong to drive sales from there. But I also think the role of, of websites for, for brands, for food brands as well is, is shifting where it's almost like I come here to learn about what your story is all about, what your brand is all about. What are you standing for? What are your ethics? All of these pieces. Does this align with me? Okay. Yes. Unfortunately, then some people will go to Amazon right away to try to find you or they'll fi try to find you in a physical location because they're, I mean, shipping is like a huge piece for people for sure. So th that is a piece. And it's just, they like being able to, you know, if they're at a location and then they see your brand there, they're like, okay, great. I can like pick it up with everything else already. But I do see the role of, of websites almost shifting in some, some ways, unless we are fully e-com focused, you come here, you know, you're buying, you know, package of six. And cause that's a lot of times the only way it's going to work from a shipping perspective. Um, but people are really coming there for, to learn. Right. And so it's gotta be a great experience if it's going to be a learning, a learning place. And it's really where they're coming to be like, do I trust you? Like, do I trust you enough to spend my hard earned cash with you? Um, it's gotta look the part and it's gotta, it's gotta run smoothly with them. So when you're saying you see them changing, you're saying, you're saying the websites change from being just sales only to more of like a educational facet. And then these are all the options of places you could buy our product. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a big piece. Like where can I go buy it? Some people will buy online. I think people want to go there less to buy more so to like figure out about you. Yeah. Like, tell me what your brand's all about. Um, yeah. 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 And maybe, maybe, man, I, you've got my brain going here on, on brainstorming ideas. Cause I'm thinking about too, is like, I know a lot of people, the apprehension going to a curated store is that it's too high end for a lot of people, you know? And so mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about maybe that's something why a lot of the farm-based stores seem more approachable by a wider, a wider array of people because, and, and not that just the farms are more generally more, um, I guess the word I'm supposed to use is rustic. I don't know. Um, but, but you know, like, like 
I, I know for myself, and if I if I had set up a farm stand, I'm not going to make sure that everything's perfect because we don't have the the bandwidth to make sure it's perfect. And yeah. a lot of people really enjoy that. And so I'm kind of wondering if there's a real value in that too. Is as long as the product is really really good, um, people don't really care about the rest of the experience. They want it to be a little bit clunky and funky, you know. Um, so I'm I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking about how having, having not these super high end curated sites or, or storefronts, I'm even thinking in Metro areas, uh, just having where, where you as a producer or a, a packaged good manufacturer could get into a location that at a better price point, you know, you could offer your product at a better price point, um, because the storefront, the storefronts overhead is not as high, you know, cause I'm seeing that like a lot of these, well, you're, I mean, in New York, you know, what some of these stores are probably what 30, 40,000 a month just for their rent, you totally, know? Totally. Yeah. And like, so then they have to, you know, charge a certain amount, all of that. They need to be pushing through a certain amount. Like, yeah, it's very, uh, it makes it more difficult. They need to be more select of the brands that they will take in some ways. Um, but I mean, I think it all comes down to like, again, people want to shop in locations that make them feel comfortable, make them feel at home, make them feel like, oh, this feels like this, I should be here, right? Like no one wants to go into a store where we don't feel like this is for us, right? We don't want to, we're not going to feel attracted to the products. Like I, I, I really have this vision for having like variety type stores that are really based for different types of persona, like different types of, there's mm. all different types of shoppers, right? Oh, I and see. And so mm -hmm. if you have different boutique locations and I say boutique, just like small, um, and some will be, you know, come across more bougie with super high premium pieces. Others will just be, Hey, this is good quality food. And that's what it is. And this is going to make you feel, you know, comfortable in here. I think more stores like that are going to do really well and like being able to find those locations and sell to those. Don't try to sell somewhere where your people aren't too, right? Like right. that doesn't help anyone. Like it becomes a harder game than if it's really clear, like, Hey, this is where my type of person is going to be shopping for this. This is how my brand shows up, you know, own, own that and like own it really hard and be really protective of that versus trying to fit yourself where maybe it doesn't make sense for it to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of stay, I, I guess, stay in your lane in, in a certain respect. I mean, always put, dip your toe in the waters of, of taking it further if you can, but not to overextend out outside of your comfort zone. I think that's super key. Um, yeah. I, another one thing that's popping into my head too, as far, far as from like your whole networking of people is I would think that there's a huge opportunity for small website developers that are fine tuned to consumer packaged needs. Is there a, is there a burgeoning like, niche industry of 
web developers that, because that, the, that's the other thing that I hear from people that have reached out to me was, well, I want to build a website for my product or whatever I'm starting, but I am not just going to go to Google and type in, you know, consumer package, good website developer. Right. Are there yeah. people that really focus on that these days too? There are. I mean, I feel like there's people that specialize in every single industry now. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, could they design other types of websites? Yes. But do you want someone who probably knows the consumer package goods landscape a little bit more? Absolutely. I mean, I, how you find those people, I mean, I would say, always say like find good referrals. Um, mm. I'm also a big believer in like, if you don't have a referral for that, like go to Upwork and put that in and get, get a portfolio. Uh, Upwork is a great curated website to find freelancers from across the world who will literally just apply to whatever job that you have. And if you put in there looking for consumer goods, uh, you know, web developers, you know, this is my budget and be clear with your budget. Even like you'll have people who will apply to that. And, and, you know, I'm also a really big believer that, you know, good business where everyone feels good with, with the amount of money being passed between. So there's no, you know, you're putting out a budget, whatever that may be for you, the people that are going to apply it know what that is. They feel really good about that too. It's like a win-win. You're able to get something that you feel great about. And I mean, yeah, that's a, I always say that's a great resource to find, to find people. If you don't have someone in your network already who has, um, done the type of work that you are, that you are looking to do. But yeah, I see people niching down in terms of like Facebook ads for consumer packaged good products, um, web development, like SEO pack logo design only for that, like all the pieces, which I mean, part of it's probably part of it is probably marketing, you know, it's like for sure. And there is also this element of like, if you keep doing that day in, day out, you're going to be, you're going to know that industry a little bit better. Right. One pro tip that, uh, I can share as far as that whole world of, uh, online design, what outsourcing, I guess is I, I did that once for a small project I was working on with a friend. And so we, we didn't really want to have, we weren't really that concerned about the logo but we wanted it to be pretty decent. And he's like, well, what should we do? And I was like, oh, let's just go to one of these sites. And so we went there and I quickly learned to, uh, when it says what your budget is, we learned you do three times the amount of what you're comfortable with. Um, because if you just do the cheapest version possible, we ended up with like 250 options. And you could just tell that they were people all around the world that were just iterating just the most turnkey stock art logo mm -hmm. options. Cause they were just trying to, and I, and I kind of understood that because it, you know, if you're in a, in a country far away from America, often, you know, uh, creating a logo for a hundred dollars is 10 X what it's worth here in the U S. And so I, I quickly learned that a lot of these folks were just trying to iterate as fast as possible. So yeah, I convinced my buddy to go up to I think our original was we, our, our budget was like a hundred dollars. And I was like, well, let's just go up to 300. And he was like, what? 300. I was like, dude, if you're going to get a logo for your brand, I mean, you might be paying, if you really had somebody create it properly, you're talking thousands of dollars, like just do the mm -hmm. 300. And 
then at the 300, it really started narrowing down to, um, I mean, it was ne- it was not a groundbreaking thing, but it was just something that you needed to do. So anyway, that was, yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good call. Cause like you can definitely, I mean, you don't, you don't always find gold in there for sure. And you can get a whole lot of like, not so great pieces. So that's a really good piece. I love that. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'll put like three times and you will be able to weed some of those pieces out for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had, I've used people from Upwork for years and like, I have had some very bad experiences and I've had some awesome experiences, right? It's like, yeah, right. I'm, you still gotta I'm put not the work saying in. everything's going to be gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you've got to put the work in that's regardless of if it does seem easier and cheaper, you've still got to put the work in. So, um, Absolutely. my favorite was a guy sent back. It was just in comic sans. It was just block and it was just with the name of of my friend's brand it was just that it was just, there was no there was no icon nothing it was just the name of the brand comic sans it was that was it <laughs> wow you're like okay when did you really think that this was going to be the one you know this was the best you had <laughs> yeah that we're going to look at it and go that's it we're going with that that's so it. nailed yeah, it, it. <laughs> yeah it was, it was really good um yeah <laughs> Uh, the other one, as far as um, in the world of online marketing and uh, selling of packaged goods, the big one that I'm seeing right now, and you mentioned this in our when we were kind of exchanging emails back and forth, is uh, shipping of meat around uh, around the globe at this point, which I think is super interesting. People sending these frozen packages of meat all over the place, um, but the one that I thought was really interesting and wanted to share with you is there's this fellow that uh, I follow on Twitter and what they've done. I think they're in, I think they're in Indiana, if I'm not mistaken, they have a mobile trailer that has its own generator and it's got, you know how like the Amazon pickup locations where you can go to any location. There's like a bunch of lockers with Mm, uh, boxes and then you just scan the, your code or whatever, and it opens up the locker. Well, they're doing that with frozen meat now. So they just go to a, a, an area of like the metropolitan area that they're around and people have already ordered it. And and, Uh and he, then you get a message that says the trailer will be there from, you know, I'm making a lot of this stuff up here as far as the details, but be there from nine to three. And then you know, from nine to three, you go and it says locker B4 and you scan your phone on it opens up and there's your ground beef in your, in your porterhouses. I think that's a really cool, cool system. Yeah. That's like so interesting. I mean, it's, I see like pros and cons to it. So like, Mm -hmm. I love the convenience convenience drives so much of what human like humans do on all sides right and efficiency so like it's way more efficient in a way you don't need to be like oh i'm sitting here from this time you can deliver way more i think my piece would be like how do they still have that personalization piece right how do you still i want that connection still you know with my farmer right Maybe maybe that's where AI comes in, where you just have a screen with the farmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, Thank you for picking this up, Sally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that's the thing is the AI piece could be fully interactive. 
like it just senses whenever you show up, you know, it's like, Oh, Sally's here. I guess I'll start talking about all the things you know about. Sa- oh man, I shouldn't yeah. even go down that rabbit hole. That's, <laughs> that's a little bit twisted and, and dystopian, but whatever. <laughs> We're living in it. <laughs> I know. I know it's, it's coming. I've got my 15 year old is using chat GPT for a lot of things, which is really super. I mean, most of it's really interesting. Um, actually my logo for, uh, the not only farmers podcast, uh, he and I created that through prompts on mid journey. Interesting. Um, cool. Yeah. So I, I was, yeah. cause he was like, well, what do you want to do for a, a logo for this? And I was like, I don't, let's just do mid journey and see what happens. And so we, took a Saturday afternoon and he and I had a hilarious time. We were just coming up with random weird prompts to get it. And then he chopped it up and animated the whole thing. It was really, I thought it was really cool. fun. So. Okay. Curious. What was a better experience Upwork hire or mid journey? Mid journey. So much easier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Go. And it just shows you how quick and easy it is. And yeah, it, mid journey is wild. I mean, cause you can just sit there and it, it seems like cheating almost. I mean, I guess it is in some ways in some people's eyes, but it also seems you're just kind of out in the open because it's, it's, it's embedded in a discord chat. Right. And so you just see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces of art going past and you can see the iterations of different people trying different prompts. It's, it's super interesting. Um, but yeah, we, we went through probably eight or nine iterations. And then, um, I had some other really random, uh, uh, prompts. I wish I had them with me right now to, to know what they were, but like on my Twitter profile right now, my header is another mid journey prompt. And it was, a it was a robot. What was it? It was like robot broccoli <laughs> farmer dystopian sunset or something like that, you know? And the, <laughs> And, and the picture that came out, I love, I'm going to turn it into a t-shirt at some point in time. Cause it has this weird, like digitized silhouette of a person walking in front of this like tracked tank that has like a broccoli head. I mean, it sounds, it sounds, <laughs> wow. it sounds, it sounds crazy. Um, yeah, you'll have to go look at it, um, and check it out. Cause it's, it's, and when that came out, my, my son was just like, whoa, that is really cool. I'm like, yeah, that's really cool. So <laughs> it's pretty wild. Like what it puts out. Yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, I've seen some food photography and things like that where I'm like, that is much better than a lot of food photography that is out there. And so in some ways it's also like you are starting a business or going into a new forte of, yeah. you know, your operations, like, you can actually do it a lot leaner right now than mm-hmm. ever before. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it really did. I mean, I had my logo that I was going to use and, you know, it was literally a couple hours, you know? Right. And like, it was that exactly no back and forth other than you and the machine. Uh, yeah. you know, that, is a lot more efficient. You get to really get to that perspective where you are super happy with it right away. Um, yeah, we, we live in a very wild time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can get upset about, I have some friends that are like, when I told them that that's what that was, they were, 
like legitimately angry at me. <laughs> and I was like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I understand, but I'm also not going to just like let it be. Cause I, I've just seen that from the beginning days of, of Google search, you know, like, and I was just like, why not? You know, you just got to give it a try and, and just use those tools. And I definitely, as the, as the tools of the internet progressed over the years, I definitely used them for the farm throughout the years. So I was like, well, why wouldn't I just go ahead and use this now for this next venture? Right. And I, I mean, it was a, it was definitely like, okay, that looks really cool. I'm going to download that. And that's what I'm using, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like this weird piece of like, uh, that regardless of how we feel about it, it's not really going away. So, you know, learn to use it in your organization to, uh, help you. Right. Otherwise. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's just, it's also adapting so quickly that, um, getting, left behind, if you will, is, is easy in this world. And that's like, it's a really tough piece. And I personally struggle with it. Like I see the good and bad of, of AI and where we're going with it. And I think there's some great pieces and I think there's like some really not great pieces with it for sure. Um, but I don't actually think my, my actions are going to change the trajectory of it. Right. So then it's like, anyways, yeah. the logo looks awesome. I love how you created that through mid-journey. <laughs> you're, you're at the forefront of it all. I love it's, it. It's, pre it's pretty fun. Uh, so what kind of, I'm just curious what kind of questions that you have coming from the, the CPG world towards the world of farming that you're curious about or that you're not getting the full insight on. Are, is there any topics that you're curious about that, that I can reflect back from this world of, of wacky farmers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for like opening that up. Yeah. I think, I think for me, it's like just understanding that the different challenges that it comes to, like, why wouldn't you go and create a, let's say consumer packaged good product. Um, obviously there's like a lot more hats that need to be worn as a farmer. And so that's kind of where my brain is like, is it, uh, is it, why would, I guess my question like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't someone want to go down that road? Like what's the hesitation? Probably, probably all those extra steps that it takes, I think. Um, mm -hmm. as far as like, uh, so one of the concepts that I've thought about to provide for farmers or upcoming farmers is, uh, what, what I call like framework of farming, you know? Um, and there is always a, a consistent framework, whether, you know, it could be framework of vegetable farming or framework of, of, um, you know, beef production or a framework of whatever. And so I think that there's probably a framework of building a CPG brand, um, that even though, as you know, there's a lot of nuance and details that have to be worked out, there are those course top line items that you, that you know, but that I think a lot of people that are trying to get into that world don't know. And so then it's, if you're working in a agricultural setting, you're generally overworked. It's the classic overworked, underpaid kind of thing. So it's like, well, 
I want to do this. I could do it in the winter time, but I'd also really like to just have some time off in the winter time. Or if you're a dairy farmer, or if you're a, you know, um, uh, like are, are raising like chickens or something like that, that's a year round endeavor. So how do you, how do you find the bandwidth to do it? So I think if people had, um, a way to access that, that initial framework, I think that that's mm. probably one of the biggest limiting factors because like when I first started doing the hot sauce thing, I spent a bazillion hours online trying to figure out, you know, what, what kind of bottles are we going to do? And you want to, you don't want to just buy the first bottles you come across because you know that those are search engine optimized to hit you first. And then you look and you find out later that they're at least seven times more expensive than what you can actually get them for. Um, so I think that that's probably the biggest hurdle for, for mm. people wanting to get into it is just under, understanding an easy framework for that. And then do you think it is like, so let's say someone has a framework. I mean, the type of, um, I guess learning is a piece too, right? Like, I think, you know, like I, I work like the way chats like this with people working through sharing, like, here's what we need to do. Here's these next steps. You know, I also do things like courses. I do things like building everything out fully for people, but like I always, and I always ask people like, what's your best way of absorbing the information and like getting it, getting it done. So, I mean, I'd be curious, like from your perspective, I don't know what, where do you actually see like the biggest opportunity with how people, um, can actually take the information and then, you know, execute it. Right. I think there, everyone probably has a lot of pieces we've all downloaded that we've just collecting internet dust on them. And, you know, for me, I'm always like, well, how do we actually make sure people like go through with it? Uh, so I always, you know, struggle with, with making sure that how pieces are delivered is in a way that is not only consumable, but executable for people. Uh, Cause I, I genuinely want to see more great products in the world from great people. Um, you know, that's, that's what I genuinely want. So it does me no good if, if people can't actually take that and execute it. So yeah, I don't know any insights that you have there. Yeah. I think that, <clears throat> I think that the course I think the course route is really good for folks. Like I, I really have investigated the world of like Gumroad and all of those kind of things over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, there's a, a zillion versions of that now, um, where you can really have, have courses that are easily accessible for people. And the biggest limiting factor that I see to online courses is they don't have any executables built into them. And so I've always thought like, you, you take somebody through, cause I've thought about this for myself, as far as creating an online course for people that want to get into vegetable farming. So you go through the first steps of buying land or, you know, you want to create this new product and you go through that first course. And then after the course, instead of it just being a video only course, then you have, uh, executables down at the bottom of that same page, where then it links you to resources for 
solving those problems of so like if if like from a farming standpoint it might be landlink which is like a a, a online place for uh people that own farms that don't have anybody to give their farms to to link it up with up and coming farmers you know so like it lists like landlink and um uh, different kinds of uh, land stewardship organizations that link farmers, uh, real estate links to your your area. You know, just it's more of like smart links to that kind of stuff. Or, or in your case, it would be, you know, step one is well, let's take like a hot sauce. So you get to the part where you're actually trying to figure out what you're going to bottle your hot sauce in. Well, then you offer the person links to be able to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that would be like really helpful because I think I think there is like that element of, okay, I have all this information and then I still need to like go and do, you know, some additional pieces. And, and I think that that really helps people with that execution piece. I've also personally seen like, I don't know, I've done when I like even my, my I've got an online course that takes people through you know, how to create a food brand, how to get it on store shelves, price it properly, all those pieces. The people that, the very first people that went through that, we did it live. We met once a week and it was like six weeks. And my, those people, I, I genuinely saw them make more traction in a faster way because there was those live touch points. They knew that next Tuesday, oh, I'd be like, Hey, how are you doing with that? Um, right. And so it almost had like that little bit of accountability piece into it. And I know live things are hard for people, whether they're online or not. Um, but I do, I do wonder sometimes if that is a way to actually get people to, you know, do the work, ask those questions, get all those pieces. Okay, I've got a week to, you know, figure out my top three packaging suppliers. Great. This is my criteria for it. I gotta, I need to prioritize this because there's a hundred things that are always pulling for, you know, your time and energy. And, and sometimes when we let all those other pieces get in the way, then, you know, that, that piece that we want to execute on is three years down the road versus heck if we had, uh, sometimes more accountability built into it, it can come to life in, you know, six months. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, I think you nailed it there with the accountability piece. Cause when I was working with you, I don't think we were going through a actual course. We were just more of talking through the process, but I still knew like, oh man, Monday's coming up. I better have all this stuff mm-hmm. figured out. You know, it's kind of like you're being accountable to your, to your school teacher of sorts, you know? Yep. I do give out homework as you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's good though. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. There's lots of, I think if nothing else, we've given, given people that are listening a lot of things to think about. I think that that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of great opportunities for, um, new consumable products to come to market, like directly from the source. So I hope, I hope that's given people some, some different ideas and also just like, I think it's also important and you can talk to this maybe too, is like, it is like a whole new world to introduce a consumable product. 
but I mean, I don't know, you seemed like you were having fun with it. You learned a lot during the process of it. You were able to, you know, have a product that, um, you know, was in a, in a different world, but also allowed you some different level of like creative freedom and, and pieces like that to, to actually bring it, bring it to market and just, just a different type of piece that also you were, you know, connected to. Yeah. I mean, that was the biggest thing for me. That's why I enjoyed it so much was, uh, I think so many folks just, they just look out, they say, well, what's out there. And then they just try to copycat that. And generally nine times out of 10, that's not going to work unless you have massive amounts of, um, funding behind what you're doing and you just do the, the bash, you know, bash the consumers in the head approach of just like, keep hitting, keep hitting, keep hitting. And that just generally doesn't, and that even doesn't feel good. That's just like where you're completely commoditizing your product. So allowing yourself to really, really make the product yours, um, whatever that is. And I think, I mean, I, I know for a fact, actually, now that the consumer base, the demographic of the consumer base, like the, the major buyers in America are a lot more open-minded to a wide variety of, um, like, I don't know, wackier is not really the best word, but just, you know, out of the box thinking as far as how, how a consumer package good, good needs to look, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot more flexibility now. And in for years, like when I was a kid, you, if you didn't have that Kellogg's brand look or that Hershey's brand look or whatever, it wasn't going to go, you know, and now Mm -hmm. we're at that stage where you can just be individual. And I think, I think the microbrewery movement is really what prompted a lot of that thinking outside the box. Cause you just saw how all the microbrews really started really going for it. And, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, and now it's starting to really come into CPG brands that are on the shelves. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing that. And I think it's really refreshing for people. Like, again, I think people always want to connect with the, they want to buy a brand that connects with them that, oh man, this is awesome. And like, yeah, my sister is going to hate this because she's a completely different person. Cool. That actually makes people like really right. connect even deeper. You want people to like love or hate you, but, and I know we don't, that's like a hard piece to be around, but if you're standing for something really boldly with how you show up across all things you do, um, you know, have lover or haters and people are going to remember you and, and have a deeper connection than, than, I mean, if Kellogg's just didn't have like the presence that it has had, cause it's been around forever. Like, today's consumers would like rock, walk right past that. You know, it's not. Right. It's As opposed to the counter to that is, and I don't know where they stand in the marketplace, but I guarantee they're up there in the, in the top five, as far as one of the most popular water brands is liquid death. <laughs> totally. Like I've just actually, like, <laughs> I just like, that's incredible. And then they stand for something too. That's the other thing is it's like, they're not just a random brand. They have, they have a mission, you know, and yet they have this, like, I think their branding is like old English script or something, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's so, it's amazing. I love it. You know, they, 
brought a whole new personality to like the water category. And they're all right. about, yeah, crushing thirst and crushing like death to plastic. And that's what they're built on is water. Yeah. You know, that is yeah. a great example of like, you can create an awesome brand around anything and the brand is what's going to sell. Like assuming that it's good, which I assume pretty much everyone who's putting out a consumable product, you've got something good. Um, if you connect deeply with enough people, like they're going to get by it's freaking water and people are going to buy that canned water and feel darn proud walking around with that versus like an Aquafina bottle. You know what I mean? I'm not sure. Well, I guess hot sauce, you could have the words death in it, but most other food products, I, I think I I'm just amazed that they pulled it off with death in the, in the name. That's incredible. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was watching this video on them the other day. It was, it was a good one where uh, he was just talking about, you know, so many people that we, we've never, we don't sell water at our nightclub. Like no one wants it. Yeah, but it's called liquid death. And it's like, who cares what, what it's called? And like orders just like coming in like crazy. But yeah, I feel like having death in a food brand is like, I'm sure if they had a legal team at the beginning. Their legal team was like, you're going to call us what? I don't know about this. <laughs> That's so good. I don't know. <laughs> yep. Nope. And I'm sure that there, I, I actually should go and look at, uh, I don't even know who's behind the brand, but I should go look and see if there's any info out there on them. I would love to hear their backstory as far as like, what was that moment like where they went and said, nope, this is what we're doing. You know? <laughs> totally. I'll send you this video that I saw the other day of him. It's, it's a really great, uh, it's a great short little clip about, about just kind of a bit of his backstory. Uh, he doesn't get oh, into cool. legal pieces, but it yeah. it is an interesting backstory to it. Hey, so Ainsley, if uh, if people are curious about um, what direction they should go, are you are you available for people to reach out to you these days, or like is that is that an option for folks if people are just like I just need somewhere to start? How do I do this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like always there to provide guidance, thoughts on that. Um, easy way is I'm on Instagram. If you're on Instagram, I'm at Ainsley Moyer. Um, also my website is AinsleyMoyer.com. Um, or like, seriously, you can text me. Like I'm, I have a very easy number, 1833 on shelf. I made it super easy so I can say it on podcasts like this. So you could literally text me and we can set up a time and always happy to chat, especially with all your fantastic listeners. Oh, nice. Yeah. What's that about? Tell me about that where you where people can text you through you said through shelf? A one eight three three on shelf is my number. Oh, I see. I get uh -huh. it. Uh -huh. Smart on shelf. Yeah. I thought you meant like there yeah. was an app named on shelf and that you were just oh. one eight yeah. So I was like thinking about it like a like almost like a link tree, but for texting. So, oh no, I mean, there's a ton of awesome, cool t texting platforms now. This is just a regular number. No, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Cool. Um, well, yeah, I think this was really good. This was, this was a lot of good. There's some good brainstorming. I'm, I'm a, I'm kind of addicted to brainstorming. Uh, I, I do that. With, I have tons of friends that I just hit up all the time. I was like, let's just brainstorm for an hour. So, um, I think there's a lot here for people to chew on for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on. It was fun to shoot around ideas with you and catch up and, uh, yeah, hopefully provided some, some inspiration for some people to go a whole bunch of different ways, whether it's 
launch their food brand or start a distribution company. Yeah, both <laughs> both are needed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly.